podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Good morning, happy Sunday, welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Ayton. Ben, result aside for a minute, because I can't wait to actually talk about this one for once, how has your weekend been, and, and your week in general, since we last spoke? Still decorating, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Still on the same room, um, I've managed to put some paint on the walls, I've probably done three and a half walls at the moment, like I said last week. It's so difficult to decorate when you've got a young kid in the house and trying to work around her, and it's it, it's more stressful than anything. But yeah, um, I, I can see there's a light at the end of a tunnel. I've only got one and a half walls left now, so hopefully by the end of today or tomorrow I can get it all done, and we won't have to talk about decorating anymore on the podcast. Well, I'm sure, you're gutted about. I do, do you know what? If we'd had lost, I would have liked to have give a bit of full analysis like last time but uh, to be honest Ben let's skip over that shall we but other than the decorating is, is everything's all good yeah yeah everything's all good my end mate yeah all good how about you I've seen that you um, you've entered the Birmingham 10k and you've yes. picked the charity now yeah, yeah. So I've I've entered. I was on about the uh, on the pods the other week that I've entered the Birmingham 10K. Uh, training actually starts tomorrow for me, uh, so Monday as we record this on a, on Valentine's Day actually. Um, so yeah, the the training starts tomorrow, which means that I'm giving myself eight months to train for a 10K, which to some might sound absolutely ridiculous, but should really indicate as to how far behind I actually am and how much work I need to put in. But yeah, I was waiting for a charity to get back to me um, and they got back to me on Friday and okayed it all. So I'm going to be running for a Diabetes UK uh, in memory of my uh, my late grandfather. So yeah, um, raised £250 in just over 24 hours, which is absolutely amazing. Um, I th- there's two, there's three people that listen to this podcast that have donated. Uh, the first one, I believe, is Rosemary. So, Rosemary, if you're listening, thank you very much for the donation. Uh, then our regular listener, John Parslow, has donated as well. Thank you very much, John. And then um, Hammy P, who interacts with us a lot on uh, Instagram, uh, Peter, his name is, he... Um, he donated as well so thank you very much guys um if you if you do want to donate you know i'd, I'd really really appreciate that uh, the link it's in my pinned tweet on my personal twitter and then the link is in my twitter bio and my instagram bio as well so i'd really appreciate that but like i say no rush because it's not till october but yeah uh, all good from my ends like i say training starts tomorrow so um sort of dreading it but sort of looking forward to, to getting back out there and getting fit again so yeah um but ben we're uh, we're not alone we did say last week that we are going to be joined by a special guest uh this week's guest is from vibe fm and you regularly see him on wda scene as well uh it's elliot murray elliot thank you very much for joining us how are you doing this sunday morning thanks for having me i'm i'm very well thank you yeah i really enjoy the podcast it's great to be on here thank you very much we Glad to uh, glad to have you on and get an extra perspective over the uh, the six nil win that Watford's had yesterday over Bristol City. Now we'll start as always with the the team news. We I think this was the big one, wasn't it, Ben? Because last week we found out that Cisco was working with a three five two, and then the day before the game he sort of decided against it. Uh, all week we saw reports that he's been working on a 4-3-3 and a 3-5-2. So there was always that little bit of doubt in the back of our minds because of what happened before the Coventry game. But um, he, he did it, Ben. Um, I, I, myself, I don't really know what the formation... Well, I didn't know to start with, uh, but he made three changes and Gakia had come out because of a hip injury and Gray and Dini had come out. And then stepped back in was Kiko Femenia, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, and then Hughes and João Pedro. So the, just to run through the team, it was Backman, Femenia, Sierra Elta, Trustacong, Messina, Cleverly, Chalaba, Hughes, Saar, Pedro and Semmer. How much better was that at two o'clock, Ben, to see a team that we thought, this is 
what we've been waiting for all season. Yeah, absolutely love the personnel in the starting lineup, but I was I was a bit cautious going into the three o'clock kickoff. Still thinking, <laughs> oh, is he putting all these people into a four four two? Is Clever going to be out on the left? Is Tuesday going to be out on the left? So I was a bit concerned still, but come three o'clock and seeing um, the teams actually take the field and line up, I was I was relieved to see that four three three in it. We got the players to play four three three. It's mm. it's. It's frustrating that it's taken till February the 13th to actually play 4-3-3 and play the players in their actual correct position. Like, Hughesy was in the centre of the pot yesterday dictating play and I thought he was fantastic. And I must say, Kiko coming back was absolutely fantastic and it's what we needed defensively and attacking. And it, it just helped out Ismail Saar going forward. So, yeah, starting 11, formation, spot on. Credit goes to Cisco Munes for this. Um, I think it was maybe... There was lots of talk on Twitter beforehand um, leading up to this game saying that if we ended up losing this, would it be Cisco's last game? I think Cisco gave it absolutely everything this week. Worked hard on a formation during the week in training. And yeah, it paid off for him and full credit to him. He, He deserves all the praise that he gets. Yeah, and uh, Elliot, obviously you're in a very privileged position where you actually get to speak to Munoz as part of the um, part of the press conference. Now, Log said, you know, a minute ago, before Carve, we were working with a certain formation, and I'm sure he probably would have said that. But then the, the day of the game, you know, he, he reverts to four four two. Did you perhaps think that that might be a possibility of happening again, even though in earlier press conferences, he obviously said that he's been working on a new formation. Was you perhaps a little bit worried that he might stick with old ways and stick with a four four two? Yeah, that was a worry. I, I did. Yeah, to be honest, I did think that. I don't know if that was me being pessimistic or, or whether I just thought of it last week and, and imagined that would happen again. I think having that week to prepare maybe gave me a little more confidence that he would change the style and change the system. He said, I think he mentioned that the, the whole point of working on the formation changes and the system changes before Coventry was to make sure the players were used to playing through at the back as well, which is what we saw in the last 15 minutes, I believe, against Coventry. Mm. So I, I can understand it to an extent, but it was still frustrating to line up in a 4-4-2 against Coventry. So I was absolutely <laughs> delighted when they lined up at, at three o'clock yesterday in a 4-3-3 and, and it just it looked so much better and so much more fluid and everything seemed to click, which is something we've been desperate for all season. So it's, it's great to see everything finally work and fall into place. Yeah, I think you've, what you've just said there is, you know, so, so true. We've been waiting for it to click. You know, we've spoken about on this podcast before, um, you know, once his team clicks, someone's going to take an absolute battering. And you sort of say, as the season starts and then you think right it's going to be coming one of these games uh, we perhaps thought it might have been the Preston one uh, but then after that it sort of went a bit topsy-turvy um, and you you sort of still saying that late on in February sort of January February time you're starting to think well we've not got long left if it is going to click and I think you're absolutely spot on. One minute, I think it was, one and a half minutes it took for us to uh, to open the scoring. And um, I, I think I read a stat somewhere that out of the 15 home games that we've had this season, we've scored first in 14 of them. Uh, so that is absolutely superb. Um, we are also the highest goal scorers at home after yesterday with 30 goals. Uh, Brentford are just behind on 29. And I think they're playing uh, Barnsley at home today. So I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll see to them. Uh, but, Ben, you put a tweet out yesterday. The, we, we're looking good at home. We picked up the most home points in the, in the whole of the Football League. Uh, well, in the whole of England, I think it was. Um, so 35 points, the next best is Norwich. But one minute in, Ben, you, you can't get a much better start than that. We, we knew that Bristol City had their injury problems. You know, me and you spoke to Owen uh, from the BS3 Talks podcast last week. And he highlighted that, you know, the injury problems that they've got, you know, having to play Mariapa at left-back sort of speaks volumes and then uh, Alfie Mawson was sent off in the week in the FA Cup, so I don't know if that had um, had anything to do with his absence yesterday. So, But to, to open the scoring on sort of one and a half, two minutes, that, that was just what we needed and I think that gave the lads the confidence to, to then go on and, and have the performance that we did, Ben. Yeah, well, I think it all started in the dressing room. The, the moment they, they left um, through the tunnel, I thought they all looked confident and they all looked up for it. So whatever worked in training was 
was evident. And then for us to start quickly as well and get in their face, we haven't seen that for a, a very long time, weeks, maybe months that we've started very quickly in games. And you like you say, one and a half minutes, it was a fantastic start. It was what a, what a pass from Chalabar to split with uh, Bristol City defence. It was inch perfect to find Saar. And when Saar gets away, there's no, there's no catching him. And he got to a byline and it pulled it back to, well, he didn't pull it back. He tried to put it across the box, took a little deflection off to the crossbar. And there was Ken Semma, King Ken to chest it home. And it was just a fantastic start to the game, wasn't it? And I thought Saw, he really hugged that touchline um, touch yesterday. And he, he had the beating of his man every single time. Mm. Yeah, I think we've touched on it before and you just want to say with that goal, the opening goal, um, I didn't actually get to watch the game yesterday because of other priorities. So I was literally watching Soccer Saturday and luckily, because of the pandemic, they're showing all the Football League goals. So I was able to see every single goal and then I've watched the highlights this morning. But um, that was a really weird goal. Did, did it hit off their man's sort of foot or did it hit off his face? And then I think it hit Semmer and then ended up going in. So, but I think I want to highlight what you've just said, Ben. And Elliot, I'll, I'll bring you in on this. How good was it to see Saar actually run at his man yesterday and, and hug that touchline, as he say? Because we've said on this podcast time and time again, the amount of times I will find myself watching Saar and screaming, just run at him. And it seems to have clicked for him yesterday. I don't know what it was, but it just clicked for him, Elliot. Yeah, he was he was absolutely fantastic. I think maybe being a bit further up, being in that four three three, and having so much space on that right hand side really helped. And I think he was probably given the instruction, like you've said, just to run run down the right flank. And there was a certain intelligence that I don't think we've seen from him yet in a Watford shirt that I, I was just really impressed by to know that he can get the beating of his man uh, and beat the left back. And like you say, to to chase to chase the ball, get to the byline and and put it in. I just think it was a, a very, very intelligent run. And we saw quite a lot, actually, and I'm sure we'll get to it later, how selfless he was at, at points yeah. to, to play the pass and to pick the right moment to play the pass. So, yeah, I was absolutely delighted with his performance. And like I say, it was just great to see him run at his man and, and use the speed that he clearly has and use the talent that we've been, well, we've seen from him in glimpses, but it was great to see it for the whole game. Yesterday. Yeah, I saw a few people on social media yesterday saying that's possibly one of his best performances in a Watford shirt. So, obviously, we've got the Liverpool game to, to compete with on that, but certainly did uh, wow a lot of Watford fans and show his potential. You know, we, we've been talking about he's looked a bit sort of up and down this season, but as... You know, as the championship may be taking him by surprise and uh, Don Goodman last week was on about there's some 10, 20, 30 million pound players and they don't look like it. And that was the perfect response, I think. Now, talking of Sarri, he went from providing a, a, a goal, well, providing an assist to scoring a goal. And Ben, I think this highlights what we've talked about in the podcast in previous weeks. Tom Cleverley, the absolute machine, um, he, he just does what Tom Cleverley does and chases lost causes down and chases every ball. And it worked out for him yesterday. Also, that flick from João Pedro was one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. Um, that that to, to play that flick, the sort of back heel flick, and then he, he played in... Um, he, they played the ball back and then Cleverley is always chasing that ball down and, and it was an easy sort of goal for, uh, for Sarr, if you like. But that highlights Tom Cleverley all season, doesn't it, Ben? It does. It describes Tom Cleverley down to a T. Um, yeah. he, it was good to see he was given the captain's armband yesterday as well. But yeah, that goal mm. started from us having possession of a ball at the back, just passing it between ourselves. It was down to Messina and then it ended to um, Ken Semmer to Gel Pedro and his little flick. I'm really enjoying, uh, enjoying seeing Gel Pedro play with confidence this season and it, it was a bit unfortunate that he didn't find Cleverly straight away but the, the Bristol City defender took it into the path of Cleverly. Cleverly just 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 doesn't give up does he and he chases no. every single ball down and fair play to him and I think I think everyone heard Saar screaming at him when he was free in the penalty box and yeah just inch perfect pass and Saar wasn't going to make a mistake there was he? 
Yeah, do you know what? Tommy Mooney actually made sense for once yesterday. He said that it was a tough finish, and it, it was because of how quickly Bentley come out to him, and he, he only had one side of the goal to sort of squeeze it in. That is a tougher sort of finish than than you than you'd think, certainly. Um, also, uh, we've talked about on this podcast the the referee in this season, and we had John Brooks yesterday, who uh, that's now four games he's refereed, and we've not lost in any of them. Um, and I've personally talked about how I believe he will be officiating in the, well he already does officiate in the Premier League but he'll be refereeing in the Premier League in no time because I think he's one of the better referees in, in the Championship but I'm not sure what that yellow card was for yesterday Elliot with, uh, <laughs> with Nathaniel Chalabar I thought he got the ball cleanly and I think it ruined it as well because I think Cisco said at the end of the game that he, he brought him off because of the yellow card and it, it sort of it's annoying, really, because it wasn't a yellow card and Chalaba was, was having a pretty decent game, I'd say. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. And like you say, to, to be playing so well as Chalaba was and to be finding his feet, which I think we've been waiting for a little bit. He's, he's had very good games at points, but I think we saw the best of Nathaniel Chalaba yesterday in the first half. So to see him get that very, very soft yellow card where he actually, I think it was a fantastic tackle, to be honest with you. Yeah. And then to to then know that he's on nine yellow cards. They probably don't want to risk him getting suspended straight away. So them having to take him off, it, it was as much as it was nice to see Dan Gosling make his debut. I would have liked to see Nathaniel Chalaba play out that 90 minutes because he was playing with so much confidence and he was playing so well that I think we we probably could have even seen a goal from him because he was just, you, you could just see in his influence and in the performance, his defensive work, not that he had much to do, but... All of it was fantastic. So for him to pick up such a soft yellow card was gutting, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And sticking with you, Elliot, we obviously some more brilliant build-up play for, for the next goal, Well, which resulted in the corner for the next goal. Shao Pedro, so, so unlucky that he didn't find the net yesterday. And, you know, we, I'm sure goals will come for him if he plays week in, week out, like he should be doing. Um, he, he obviously got a full 90 yesterday, uh, which is good. But, we we very rarely create anything from corners, and again, a, a very bizarre goal. Uh, Will Hughes didn't celebrate because I, I assume he, he felt probably a bit bad for the Bristol City defender. And personally, I think the goalkeeper should have done a little bit better. He, he didn't cover himself in glory with that one. But um, again, brilliant work, b- brilliant build-up play to force the corner, and then a, a brilliant strike. And even though it was, I think the goal's still been given to Will, but even though it was, did take a big deflection for. Will to be coming back and hopefully playing week in, week out now, to then get a goal his first of the season, that's going to give him the, the confidence and that, that's going to do him the world of good, surely. Absolutely. And I think it says it all that he's got the confidence to to take a shot from out there. I don't think yeah. we've seen that enough from Watford this season where they've just thought, I'll, I'll have a shot at goal and, and have a have an attempt on target or, or towards the goal. So I, I really like that from Will Hughes. Like I say, it's great to have him back in the team and he does bring something extra that Perhaps Nathaniel Chalibur and Tom Cleverley don't necessarily. But yeah, like you say, great great build-up to to force the corner from Semmer and Jao Pedro. And then, yeah, to create a chance again from a corner as well, as, as unorthodox as it was, is is a rarity with Watford. So it was great to see us actually make use of, of the set-piece and make use of the corner. And yeah, the deflection was pretty big. And uh, Dan Bentley probably should have done better. But yeah, I don't think any Watford fan was complaining when that one went in. Absolutely. You you say it's very rare to see us make something of set pieces. You actually tweeted, Elliot, yesterday that Watford, had, at one stage, I think it was just before half-time, you said Watford have scored as many goals from open play this afternoon as they have in the last 13 combined. Um, that speaks volumes as to how big this formation change was. And Ben, it, it's it's only going to help with the confidence that we, we were scoring goals for fun yesterday. Um, and talking of the, the next goal we, we've seen it before uh, and it's usually Semmer that's doing this Ben but we saw Ishmael Asar again hugging the touchline and then pulling it back and a nice easy tapping I think Saar did that for the uh, for Saar did no Semmer did that for Saar against Coventry or against Stoke or he might have yeah. been he might have done it in both but it was the other way around this time and, and that is brilliant to see yeah it was pretty identical I think 
building up to it as well, it was a, it was one two with Kiko and Saar down the right hand side, yeah. and I think Kiko just gives Saar more freedom and gives him more confidence, knowing that Kiko's behind him and he he can just concentrate on his own game and just get further forward. But yeah, exactly exactly how you described it, identical to the uh, Sema to Saar in the ninetieth minute. Um, Back all those few months ago, but yeah, fantastic play from Watford, and it was it was so enjoyable yesterday, wasn't it? I, I yeah. said last week that I don't enjoy watching this Watford side this season. It, it's been a struggle watching us turn up, and we might, if we had Ivic still, we might have settled for a one nil victory yesterday. But it was nice to see that we had no we had no shackles on us, and we could mm. just just carry on playing and what I enjoyed about this performance so much is it was, would have been easy to go in at 4-0 at half time and be like right, yeah. that's our job's done but we, we came out second half and just gave it we just we just carried on we didn't take our foot off the gas and it was just brilliant um, the movement off the ball yesterday I must say in the first half was unbelievable the forward line able to like rotate like they were in the midfield doing the same job I thought the players on the pitch were playing with a smile back on their faces and it was just refreshing to watch wasn't it it really was um you know you what you've just pointed out there Ben is absolutely spot on it was enjoy although I didn't watch the full game it was enjoyable to be able to see the Watford play that way and it's been a while I I don't think um I'll probably get um reminded of when it was but I struggle to remember the last time we were ever falling up at half time um you know and yes Bristol City we were, we were talking about before we started recording Elliot that Bristol City do have their injury problems and would it be too harsh to to perhaps blame it on that and would it have been different if it was a different out uh, a different sort of Bristol City team or a different team altogether but I think the fact that we clicked is the main thing from this. And it is enjoyable to watch again, Elliot. Completely. It was so much fun. I can't remember the last time I had that much fun watching Watford play. It's <laughs> definitely been, it's probably Liverpool. Uh, yeah. That's the one that sticks out in my mind. And yeah, just to see the players playing with that much confidence, to see that much fight, you can see every single player was desperate to get on the ball. And although Bristol City did have their injuries and they aren't in great form, I think they've lost five in a row away from home now. Mm. So they're, they're not in great form, but I think to, to beat them with that much conviction and that much confidence I don't think that can be put just down to injuries I think that that speaks volumes of how well Watford played and how much confidence is is showing from each and every one of those players yesterday because they were all fantastic and they all fought for it off the ball and when they won the ball you could see that there was it was like clockwork because you could see that there was confidence between all of them they, they knew exactly where all their teammates were having the likes of Semmer and Saar stretching Bristol City and also sitting on the wings waiting for the ball it just felt like everyone knew everyone's role and, and they all played it perfectly so it was yeah like I say it's so much fun to watch really enjoyable yeah I think know. Elliot's spot on there like I think we've seen this season that Watford maybe the midfielders in particular they've shied away from the occasion and they've not really wanted the ball well, yesterday, every single player on that pitch was happy to take the ball yeah. and happy to string passes together, whereas we've not really seen that before. I think, especially at Coventry, it was like we, we couldn't string more than three or four passes together. But yesterday, we were having, having patterns of play where we were maybe getting 15 or 20 passes together. Mm-hmm. It was just much more refreshing. And we was chatting just before we started. I think Elliot said about a stat that yesterday was the least amount of times we've actually played long balls uh, this mm-hmm. season. Because I mentioned that when we played Troy Deeney last week against Coventry, it was just long ball after long ball. It's refreshing to play the ball to the floor and play into our players' potentials and playing them in the right positions and just letting them flourish. And it was just brilliant to see. Yeah, yeah, it really, really was. And I think what highlights it for me yesterday, I think that Watford performance, yes, it was against an injury-struck Bristol City, but that performance as a whole, I think that is what teams have expected Watford to do all season. And I think that's what fans have expected Watford to do all season. Um, Though, you know, anyone that's supported Watford in the Championship before knows that, you know, it's not going to be a walk in the park by any stretch of the imagination. But that is what 
a lot of teams will think, right, we're coming up against Watford. This is what we've got to be careful of. And we delivered it yesterday and in some in some bloody style as well. But Ben, as you say, we went into the break 4-0 four, four to the good. Um, the, the stats at half-time looked brilliant. 57% possession, uh, eight shots, three on target, three corners. Uh, you, you mentioned there the passing, Ben. 242 completed passes compared to 194 from uh, from Bristol City and then the uh, the one yellow card apiece. But um, I think what you've said as well, obviously, uh, Dan Gosling come on for his Watford debut. Uh, did did okay from what I hear, Ben. Did, did, he, um, he, did he impress you watching yesterday? Yeah, he did impress me. And I'm glad he impressed uh, many people as well. Because I've said yes. before that I, I didn't really like the stick that he got or maybe... Watford got in general for signing him. Um, it's a, it was a very shrewd bit of business by Watford. If we do carry on playing these three in midfield, I think he will prove pivotal to us. Um, he, he looked tidy on the ball. He won the ball back well. He got around the pitch. He was fighting for every ball as well. And maybe at 4-0 up, you, you might go into it and take your foot off the gas a little bit. But he was exactly what the Bournemouth fans were describing to us. Um, yeah, very impressed with him for his first 45 minutes for a club. Yeah, well, I um, I went on to um, a YouTube sort of chat um, on Thursday, I think it was, uh, with a Nottingham Forest fan, and he, he sort of previews, he gets different fans on from uh, different teams, and um, I was on there with a Bournemouth fan, and he was asking me about the signing of Dan Gosling, and I was talking to him like after the recording and whatnot, and he pretty much highlighted what the comments section did when Bournemouth announced it on their Twitter. They'd lost a player. Yes, he was, what, fourth in the pecking order for, for Bournemouth, but they lost a player that would run through brick walls. He said he was probably one of these standout players uh, the first season that they got promoted with us uh, in the Premier League, and he was pivotal. Uh, but it, it was great to hear that he, he sort of showed his potential yesterday and because, as you say, he got a lot of stick that signing did. Um, you know, it was very, very Watford fanny um, of, of us to um, to sign a player and then he turned 31 the next day. So it's it's <laughs> typical, Eddie. But, um, Elliot, just quickly, from what you saw of Dan Gosling yesterday, uh, would you start him against Preston or would you would you stick you got, stick with your guns and, uh, and, and play Chalaba? I'd like to personally play Chalaba just while he's in uh, good form and while he's confident. I think it's good to give him as much game time as possible. I think not just because Chalaba will likely get suspended at some point, given that he's on, I think, nine yellow cards. I, I would probably give Dan Gosling maybe... I'd maybe start him against Derby on the weekend instead. Yes. But yeah, but I think you've got to play Chalaba while he's in good form and while his, his confidence is high. But yeah, that that's not anything down to Dan Gosling being poor because I thought he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. I think he he was the perfect sub to make even without the yellow card at 4-0 at up because we didn't look at any point troubled by their midfield. We didn't look threatened and he, he just gave a sort of air of confidence and an air of perhaps, uh, I can't think of the word, but just, I think the whole, whole team looked a bit more relaxed with him on the ball. He was composed mm-hmm. and you know I think he had a shot at goal as well, which is nice to see. Um, yeah, yeah I, th- I, I don't think you can ask for a, for a much better debut from him in, yeah. in centre midfield. He, he slotted perfectly and he looked comfortable. He looked like he'd been there for a long time, which yeah. is probably the best thing you can say about it. Uh, refreshing to uh, refreshing to see as well. You know, the, you talk about as, as debuts go, he did pretty well. Obviously, he'll never, no one will ever reach the debut performance like Juan Carlos Paredes did, but um, he, uh, he certainly did very well by the sounds of it. Um, one man we've talked about... A, before this goal happened, it was good to see Adrian Mariapa uh, back on Vicarage Road. Uh, shame he, he was in Bristol City colours, and I, I did feel sorry for him come the end of uh, full time. Uh, I saw him chatting to Will Hughes on the uh, halfway line as well. Uh, but Ishmael Asar, you know, I, I think. I think he won man of the match on the, the Watford Twitter vote, or I don't know if it's still going, but he was miles ahead. Um, another one I thought uh, Bentley should have done a lot better with in, in the Bristol City goal. I'm glad he didn't because we wouldn't have scored, but um, Saar just had the sort of freedom of Vicarage Road, it seemed, at, at, at one stage in his run. And then he's just hit it and it's gone in. And I think that shows Ben the the confidence flowing through Ishmael Asar to try and have a shot from there because how many times have we seen this season where it almost it's a bit Arsene Wenger-esque where you, 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 it looks like 
the team want to just walk the ball into the back of the net. But to see Saar have the confidence to take on that shot from outside the box uh, and then slot it in, it's only going to keep building his confidence, isn't it? I think that goal just shows how much confidence he was on during yeah. the whole game. I thought it was a really top-class, smart finish from Saar. Um, just nips in there and takes the ball off a defender. And like you say, to curl it from the outside of the box into the bottom corner, maybe Bentley should have done better, but I thought it was a really smart finish. And carrying on with praising Saar, I thought yesterday, maybe he's looked a bit naive this season. Um, yeah. but yesterday was a very mature performance from him and he, he was looking like a seasoned pro, wasn't he? He, I'll tell you what, he, he, did, he didn't look like. He didn't look like a player that, and I didn't realise this until I think Watford Observer covered it, he didn't look like a player that he had a teammate looking for apartments in Liverpool for him because he was that close to leaving in, in January. Usually, especially with these young players nowadays, you get a big club like Liverpool sniffing around, the move doesn't go through and then you just play an absolute stinker out for the rest of the season, hoping they'll come back in again for the summer. I'd be very surprised if they didn't come back in for him in the summer. Uh, but I think he's shown great maturity uh, for, for his age. I think he's been absolutely brilliant as well because the links have been there before and he said that he's focused on Watford. It's very, very rare that you get a player actually be like that nowadays. Um, but yeah, as you say, you know, I think yesterday, very, very mature performance. It's only going to help him. Uh, it's only going to, you know, give him the confidence to, to go forward and and uh, continue with the rich vein of form, hopefully. Um one thing that didn't change, obviously we talked about the formation change and everything. Kiko, re- uh, not Kiko, Munoth really, really likes making subs on 60-odd minutes, doesn't he? Like, I, I just don't understand. I, it, it, is it a ritual? Is he superstitious? Uh, we saw Andre Gray come on for Ken Senna and we saw Philip Zinkenagel get more than 10 minutes yesterday as well, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit because he, uh, he did find the back of the net. But Zinkenagel for Cleverly and uh, Gray for Senna. Now, I was actually a little bit worried with Gray coming on, but he played a massive, massive part, Elliot. Uh, well, he, he played a big part in, in the winning, well, the winning goal, the sixth goal. Uh, I thought that pass yesterday, especially with a player such low on confidence like Gray is, I thought that pass to find Saar, who then put it one-on-one, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, but Andre Gray coming on, is that, do you think that will help with his confidence at all? I think it just made sense to bring on a player who's low on confidence at 5-0 up and, yeah. and say, play your game, um, keep fighting for the ball, which I think that's something that you can never knock Andre Gray for, is, is that he's always fighting for the ball. He sometimes tries a little too hard sometimes, I think, and that's why he strays offside once or twice. But <laughs> you, can, you can see the fight that he has and you can see how desperate he is to get back in the goals. And like you say, the, the pass to Saar for the sixth goal was that's actually very, very well taken and, and perfectly timed. So that's certainly something that, that we can praise him for. I think, yeah. I don't think he had his best game when he came on, but, mm. um, but it, yeah, like I say, it, it made sense to make the change with half an hour to go to give Gray a run out and hopefully build his confidence. And I think playing in an attack as fluid as that and, and one that sort of matches his speed is, is probably the best for him. And, and that probably is a, a confidence lifter even though he didn't necessarily play a huge part in, in the win. But yeah, the, the pass, like say, for yeah, Sar to then get Zinkenagel was fantastic. Absolutely. I, I, it's almost when, when I listen back to myself saying it, it almost sounds a bit crazy that, you know, we're lauding the, 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 the pass. But we've seen Andre Gray make those sort of passes and it just not go well at all, you know. To, to receive the ball in, you know... Usually Andre Gray would, would fluff that up and he, he'd miscontrol it. And, and then to pick a pass out like that will, will definitely help. But Ben, do you think that, as Elliot's just said, the tempo of the game, the tempo of the attack, obviously all stems from the formation we were playing, the confidence. Do you think that if Andre Gray is to play much more this season, do you think that this is the type of system that he'd benefit in? And can you see him maybe getting goals in a system like this? Or are you still of the um, opinion of don't let him anywhere near the starting eleven? <laughs> <laughs> I was in the opinion of don't put him anywhere near the starting lineup if you're not going to use him in yeah. the right way that Gray plays. Uh, this formation suits Andre Gray. Um, the movement off the ball would match exactly what Pedro was doing yesterday. 
Um, I, I think he would get chances. Pedro got lots of chances yesterday. I think it's it's only a matter of time until Andre Gray starts scoring again. Um, <laughs> but whether we see it this season or not, it's a different matter. Um, but yeah, the, the formation should suit him down to a T. Um, it's just whether we see Andre with his confidence coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, how many times have we said that? But hopefully it does ring true one day. Um, you know, I'm still of the opinion that if he does get a goal in this system or if he gets a goal, then that should kickstart him. Because the one against Coventry, he can't really claim that. I know a goal's a goal, but you, you ain't going to get much confidence off it hitting off your ass and going in, are you? So um, one player we did see as well make a, about a 10-minute appearance was uh, the new left-back. Um, we confirmed the signing of Ashraf Lazar um, in, in the week, and he's a Moroccan international. He signed until the end of the season with the club holding an option to a further year. Ben, did did we really see much of, of Lazar yesterday? Did he, did he? Well, I mean, he had best part of 10 minutes to, to sort of make an impression, but what did you take from his 10-minute cameo or was... Was he not really involved? And I suppose that would be a credit to the the guys in front of him for for being so attacking. Didn't really see much of him yesterday. Didn't do much in 10 minutes. We weren't really defending. I don't think he um, needed to do too much, to be fair. It was very comfortable. Um, I would like to see more of him to see what he can bring to the side. But yeah, I think it just shows how good we were playing yesterday if we didn't really notice how the left-back was doing because he had absolutely nothing to do. (laughs) Yeah, I think Elliot just picked on it with Andre Gray there. I think that's the type of game that you can bring those sort of players on in because you you fold me up, you, you it's going nowhere. You know the only the only way is, is a victory. So they're the type of games that you you bring him on for. Um, I, I must point out as well, it was nice to see a team other than Watford actually put a shot on target so late on in the game. Usually earlier in the season, it's been us that have been victim to that. 81 minutes on the clock and Bristol City got their first and only shot on target. So another clean sheet for Dan Backman. I think there was a stat on the Watford website. That's the most clean sheets we've had since 93-94 season, uh, which is absolutely incredible. And, you know, it all goes back to Ivich. I think the, the defence have been absolutely solid this season, uh, not only to score six, but to get a clean sheet. is That, that shows absolute dominance to me. Um, and then, obviously, we, we rounded... Rounded it up with a, a nice goal for Philip Zinkenagel. Elliot, we've we've seen on Twitter and we've seen on social media the amount of people. Why is Zinkenagel not playing? And Cisco sort of gave a, a small indication in, in the press conference, it would seem, in the week as to why he's not getting the game time. And he, he says that uh, Zinkenagel's very happy. But listen, it was a tapping from two yards. But how, how, how much confidence is that going to give him? He's, he's opened his account for the Hornets now. Yeah, it can only boost that confidence. He, he seems to be in high spirits regardless from, from what Chisco Munoz has been saying, mm. which is obviously fantastic. I think he's settling well into the country. We, we mentioned that he's settling well into, into the system. I think it is just getting him involved in the way Watford play and trying to, to join this identity that I, I guess is trying to be forged by, by Chisco Munoz. So, yeah, to, to come into the squad and, and get a goal like that is, is huge for the confidence. And also to see Saar play the pass when he's on a hat trick as well, shows yeah. that we could, there could be a connection there. And I, yeah, I'd be delighted if I was Philip Zinkenogel to to have a, a goal like that on on one of my first uh, appearances at Vicarage Road. So yeah, yeah, that can only do wonders for his confidence. Yeah, it did look a hint offside, but he didn't give it. So happy days! It's about time we uh, benefited from a maybe a, a mistake from an official. Uh, but full time, the the score was Watford six. Bristol City nil. Uh, I'd be very surprised if we're not seeing the corner flag sort of picture from Bristol City this morning after what uh, Owen said to, to me and Ben earlier in the week. Uh, but 63% possession. Watford ended up with 16 shots and six on target to Bristol City's four um, and one on target. 11 corners to Bristol City's two. And this one, 566 passes and Bristol City completed 324 I mean, that speaks volumes. Um, a, a win which was very, very much needed, Ben. Um, it's put us still within reach, I, I would say, of of the top two, six points. And yeah, Brentford are playing today. Do you, are we writing off the top two now, Ben? Some some people are probably screaming at their phones listening, saying um, we've written off the top two weeks and weeks ago, but 
six points now, Ben. Uh, and bearing in mind, Brentford play today, so they've got a game in hand on us, could make it nine. Um, I think we're right in the mix. I think we just need confidence. Um, there's a massive gap between us and seventh spot now. We're, we're 11, 11 points clear points. of Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, 11 points clear of Cardiff. Um, five points clear of Bournemouth in sixth as well. Um, I think we've just got to concentrate on trying to close the gap on the top two now. It's going to be difficult because we're very good football inside. Night, you've got Brendia back now after his suspension. Brentford are scoring goals for fun. Swansea look brilliant as well. So it's going to be very difficult if we are to close the gap on them. But we can do it if we carry on playing like we did yesterday with freedom, with confidence. I started to see a bit of an identity with Watford yesterday. We were saying last week, there's no identity. We we don't know what Watford side is going to turn up. Um, So hopefully Tuesday night at Preston, we see the same reaction that we saw today because the reaction from the boys against Bristol City yesterday was the response that we needed. And I thought the performance yesterday is what the fans needed and what the fans kind of deserved this season. Like you go down to the championship and you kind of get excited about playing championship football because you're going to play more attacking football. There's going to be more winnable games. But yesterday was like, this is what the championship should be about. It should be fun. It should be enjoyable. And that's what yesterday's performance gave to me. Absolutely. Um, Reading losing to Millwall yesterday as well was was just what we needed, just what the doctor ordered. Uh, three points clear of them in fifth. Um, and as you say, five points clear of Bournemouth, who drew to Nottingham Forest. I was hoping that uh, Agent Murray and Agent Garner was going to uh, was going to do us a favour yesterday and maybe nick one over Bournemouth, but it wasn't to be. But uh, local lads to me actually, Matt Smith scored for uh, for Millwall to uh, to help them defeat Reading. So uh, thank you very much to Matt Smith. But uh, I just noticed as well that Swansea have got two games in hand because I think they've got uh, they've had a quite a bit of a cup run um, and and they look like they're flying at the moment but I think as you say Ben it's it's about closing the, the gap in the top two is that something you'd agree with Elliot do you think we, we've got to still aim for those top two or are, are you perhaps being a bit more sensible and saying look top two may be out of our reach I don't think it can hurt to aim for the top two and, and give it a go because at this point as long as we're winning games it's it's a fairly realistic target but I think it also depends very heavily as it always does in the championship on the, the team above us are obviously the main three concerns are, are Norwich, Swansea and Brentford. Mm. Norwich have, have looked a little shaky in recent weeks. I know they yeah. won yesterday, but but even at the back, even at the back yesterday, they, they didn't look quite right. Um, Brentford are unbeaten in 20 odd games, stretching back to late October, which is absolutely ridiculous. And Swansea just looks so well drilled defensively and, and they've got such good firepower going forward that I don't think it's perhaps likely that we're going to break into the top two, but I see no way, no uh, point in ruling it out at this point and, and we, we might as well go for it. And mm. if we can get a run of, like Brentford, of even 10, 15 games unbeaten, that would be incredible. And, and we could really see us knocking on the door of the top two. Yeah, you know, you're talking about getting a run here. Obviously, we, we'll talk about this game in a little bit. We've got Preston on Tuesday, Derby on Friday night at home. And then uh, we've got, two away games at Blackburn and Bournemouth that's going to be a crunch game uh, and then it's Wickham at home and then Forest at home so there's some winnable games in there um, you know and it's all about getting a run and hopefully this big win can help with our um, our motivation and hopefully we stick with the same formation um, going into Tuesday night now just before we touch on Tuesday night uh, just a bit of sort of injury news uh, that come out from the club Isaac Success you may have seen in the week stepped up his return he played 45 minutes for the under 23s which is good um Christian Cabaselli won't be returning for at least another week because he continues to uh, undergo treatment as the uh, he's got bruising on his bone to his knee. Uh, ben Foster still out. There's no time scale on his return. Hence, uh, maybe bringing in Rob Elliott probably signals that it's a little bit longer than they first feared. And um, obviously, Tom Delibrashir is still continuing his rehab from his ACL that he suffered back in October. Uh, but Ben, um, we've got Preston on Tuesday night. Uh, they... They're coming in off the, the back of a big win for them as well. They played on Friday night. They beat local rivals Blackburn 2-1. Uh, 
uh, two goals from Greg Cunningham and Liam Lindsay. Uh, so they're going to be in high spirits as well, Ben. Um, now, me and you did speak to uh, another Ben, so it was very confusing for me recording that. Uh, ben HD, who's a YouTuber, who's uh, who's close to a whopping 30,000 subscribers, uh, which is incredible. So make sure you go and check his channel out and drop him a subscribe um, when, when this tweet comes out. But me and Ben spoke to him on Thursday to uh, to talk about the, the upcoming game against Preston. And uh, this is what Ben had to say about the game. Yes, we're here with Ben from the Ben HD YouTube channel, who's almost at th- uh, 30,000 subscribers. That's, that's incredible, that is. So thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to us tonight. Uh, how are you doing this evening, Ben? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Always happy to chat a bit of football when it comes to the Championship and Preston especially. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, we'll start at the very beginning. Obviously, the man in, at, at the helm at the moment is Alex Neal. He's been in charge at Preston now for over three and a half years. So how would you sum up as a whole of the job that he's doing at Deep Bell so far? It's an interesting one with the manager at this point in time, really, because I think that this season he's started to split the fan base a little bit. But on the whole, generally, I think it's been very positive, really. I think that if you're looking into the championship and the sort of budgets that are being you know, thrown about at the top of it, for us to be competing with those sort of sides, you know, we've been really knocking on the door for the top six now for the past few seasons, really. I think he's done a very good job. Um, this season has presented its challenges. I think like with most clubs, really, you know, with the COVID situation and um, our transfers as well, you know, our January transfer, which I'm sure we'll get to, was absolutely crazy. But on the whole, I think he's doing a good job, really. This season's just been a little bit indifferent for us so far. Let's get to it straight away, then. In January, we saw um, you lose Ben Pearson to Bournemouth, Ben Davis to Liverpool. How big of a loss is it to lose those two players? I think it's massive. Um, as Preston fans, we sort of saw this one coming, really. Um, you know, we had four of our probably best players that were all out of contract at the end of the season. So they all had to sort of make a decision. What will we do? You know, were we going to keep hold of them, tie them down to new contracts or... Where are they going to go elsewhere? So, obviously, the two you mentioned, Ben Pearson and Ben Davis, I'd say our two best players over the last three or four seasons now, both decided to leave. And you can't really blame them, obviously, each of them looking for a new challenge. But for a club like North End to be losing that sort of quality from the squad, there was no way that we were going to be able to go out in January and get sort of like-for-like replacements. We were very much going to have to dip into some different avenues trying to get someone um, for a little bit cheaper and sort of build them up to that sort of level. But um, yeah, both are absolutely massive losses and for different reasons, really. You know, Ben Davis, um, very central to how we play in terms of liking to play the ball out from the back, you know, very good ball-playing defender. And Ben Pearson, I don't think that his role in this side over the last few years can really be underestimated you know he'd very much do defensive work of two people so since we've lost them two I think we have had to sort of change and adapt our system um a little bit and it's going to take time really to to really get used to being without them yeah I think one of those I can't remember who it was could both of them being Ben's but um one of them was linked with a signing a pre-contract agreement with Udinese our sister club and then the eventual thinking was for him to then maybe come to Watford um so that would have been interesting but fair play to them both big uh big moves from both sticking with the January transfer window uh just talking of play a player that you've brought in there's been a bit of a strong backlash from Preston fans you brought in Chet Evans uh, on loan from Fleetwood Town. What what are your thoughts and what sort of the overall thoughts, it seems, uh, from Preston fans with the signing? Because obviously, as we know, the, the history with, with Chad Evans. Yeah, it was a controversial one at the time, I think it's fair to say. So um, obviously all the off-the-pitch stuff that has come along with Chad Evans, that's a lot of baggage to be bringing into a football club. Um, I'd say that the vast majority of fans reacted to this one quite negatively, to be honest with you. And I think that we were looking into also Chad Evans, the player, and what we thought he could bring to North End. And to be honest with you, I think the vast majority of people were quite underwhelmed, really. Um, you know, going in for a you know, 30 plus League One striker who had only hit the back of the net a few times this season. So, both from on and off the pitch, 
it was a signing that a lot of people questioned. Um, I think rightly so. It was one that showed a bit of a lack of ambition from our part, really. But giving a bit of credit to him, um, our last game against Rotherham, he was decent, to be fair to him. It's a, a position that we've really struggled with over the last few years. I think ever since we sold Jordan Hugel, we've really lacked a bit of mobility from our number nine. Um, and it was always that sort of position um, that failed to really push us over the edge into getting into the top six, you know, that lack of a goal score, really. I don't think that Chad Evans will be that. He's coming as sort of a short-term thing for the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, on the whole, very, very mixed reaction from from fans with that one. Let's talk about a guy who probably has excited you, you fans at Preston North End. You've signed the highly rated midfielder Ben Whiteman from Doncaster Rovers. Are you feeling more positive with this signing and what's he going to bring to your side? Yeah, so this was, um, so in the January transfer window, we mostly sort of looked into loan deals, which we'll have to obviously reassess in the summer. But the one permanent that we got over the line was for Ben Whiteman. And he's been a player that we've been chasing for, I think, a few transfer windows now. And there were quite a few other championship clubs that were in for him. And I think that originally with sort of Ben Pearson going out the door and Ben Whiteman coming in, I think a lot of people thought that, oh, that's sort of a natural replacement. But watching him play, I think that it's quite clear that they're very different players. You know, Ben Pearson, this very sort of aggressive defensive midfielder who didn't let anything get past him. Whereas Ben Whiteman's sort of more in that deep line playmaker role. I mean, some of the passes that he sprayed for us so far this season have been fantastic. And I think that moving forward, he is probably going to be the player that Alex Neal's going to look to build this new squad around. So um, sort of in the vein of a Paul Gallagher. I don't know if you know too much about Paul Gallagher, but a um, bit of a veteran of this side. But with him getting on a little bit, um, really excited about that one. I think that moving forward, that's the sort of ambition that us North End fans want to see the club more really good recruitment there. Paul Gallagher loves the penalty, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He does. Great, <laughs> great run-up as well. Great run-up for it he's got. Yeah, I do like that. Um, when we last played Preston earlier in the season, you were hit by loads of injuries. I can't remember how many you was missing, but it was, it was almost an entire team. Has that situation improved at all? Uh, it has a little bit. It's a bit of a weird one with us because obviously with such a big influx of players during January, I think we've had um, nine players that have gone out and eight players that have come in. So in terms of the injury front, we're not all too bad at the moment, but it's just really a case of settling in all these new faces. You know, we very much had sort of like a summer transfer window in January. And obviously these players don't get a pre-season. They all have to quite hit the ground running. The one area of our squad, which is a bit of a cause for concern at the moment, is in defence. Obviously, we've lost Ben Davis. Uh, Patrick Bauer, who's been his partner for the last couple of seasons, um, is out for the rest of the season. Declan Rudd, our goalkeeper, is also out for the foreseeable future. So defensively, we're a little bit thin at the moment and in terms of quality as well. But apart from that, we're not looking all too bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, turning our attention now to the game itself, um, Preston actually, and I'm, I'm reminded this a lot of by my uh, my good mate who supports Preston, you've actually got the fifth best away record in the division and you've only actually picked up six points less than Brentford, who are top of the away division. So um, away from home, you, you're doing great, but then... At, on, uh, at home, it's a completely different story. You've picked up 14 points from 14 games. So what is your general feel going into the game itself? And then if you finish with a, a score prediction as well. Yeah, it's um, home and away has been a bit of a tricky one for us all season, really. I think there's been sort of the feeling that um, team a lot of teams that have come to Deep Dell so far this season have sort of figured us out a little bit where they'll sit in quite a deep block and we're you know, hopeless at breaking that sort of team down. If a team comes in, stays on the halfway line, we're brilliant at getting in behind a little bit. But in terms of the game itself, it's an interesting one because I would say our best performances of the season so far have come against top six opposition. I know that you guys obviously beat us and there was Swansea as well. But apart mm. from that, I, no other of the top six have beaten us so far this season. So we have sort of saved our best performances up until these sort of games, which does give me a little bit of room for optimism. Um, it's really been those sides near the bottom of the championship, whereby they'll really come in and sit um, in those deep blocks, which, you know, we're hopeless of breaking down. We do have a little bit of pace in our side, you know, Tom Barkusen and Anthony Gordon, who's come in from Everton on loan, been quite an exciting player for us so far. So in those sort of situations, um, we could get a little bit of joy out of that. 
having said that, though, we're on a really inconsistent run at the moment and we are quite a hard side to put your finger on. So if I was pushed for a score prediction, I'd reluctantly say maybe a 2-1 Watford or something like that. I just feel as if the squad's quite unstable at the moment and um, a lot of new players to bed in. It, it could go either way, but yeah, I'm not all too confident heading into this one. Well, that's that's very interesting to hear because away from, I mean, at home as well. Listen, our run at the moment that we've been on is, is horrendous. And obviously we're recording, yeah. well, not horrendous, but it's not been the best. But we're recording this on the uh, on Thursday night. So before the weekend's game in Bristol City. So God knows how that's going to go. But away from home this season, we, we just look a different team uh, and, and in a bad way as well. So certainly going to be very, very interesting. As I mentioned, you guys, and struggling for points at home and us struggling away. So uh, it all points to it not being a classic. And Alex Neal's got one over us a couple of times. One will stick in my my mind. Um, And Ben, I'm sure you'll be able to to back me up on this one. When Norwich came to town and beat us 3-0, and I think that was promotion season and Alex Neal was in the dugout for them. So, yeah, uh, he certainly knows how to get a result over us. But hopefully it's an entertaining one for the neutral. Uh, And obviously we're going to say that, you know, we want the three points. But listen, we're under no illusion that it's going to be a tough, tough game. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward forward to it but listen Ben a massive massive thank you for coming on and speaking to us like I said guys we'll tag Ben in the tweet that releases this podcast go and check him out on YouTube go and subscribe away it's only a few hundred away from hitting 30,000 subscribers which is incredible but Ben thank you very much for your time this evening we really do appreciate it and uh, other than next Tuesday best of luck for the rest of the season <laughs> Top stuff. same to you guys cheers mate <laughs> Yeah, so some very, very interesting points there. Um, going into this game, Ben, obviously we coming in off, we didn't know that we were going to be beating Bristol City 6-0. Any any different stance going into this game on Tuesday night now that we've won? Um, no, not at all. I think we need to go there and hopefully Munes doesn't make the changes that he has done previously. Um, he does like to rotate with the front two. Um, he does like to rotate with midfield. Um, I, I just hope we go there and maybe make one or two changes. And we just need to go there and attack and start with urgency from the first whistle again. Um, Preston, they're not great at home this season. I think they lost uh, before they won away at Blackburn. They they lost at home 2-1 to Rotherham. And then before yes. that, they drew 0-0 at Reading. So they can definitely be get at, at home. And I feel like... <laughs> This, this, the victory against Bristol City, it's got to be the springboard now, doesn't it, for the yeah. rest of the season. We've got to use it like that. We spoke about the, the Norwich game at home. We was hoping that would be a bit of a springboard. It was to affect for a, a game or two. Um, but we we need, like Elliot says, we, we need to maybe put a 10-15 game unbeaten run together to try and catch up the other two. So I just want to see another reaction from the Watford boys on Tuesday. Um, there was talk of after the Coventry game, that a few seniors, members of a squad messaged in a group chat and then they got together and had a bit of heart-to-heart with the rest of the boys um, during the week. And that's probably helped the performance as well. They, they cleared the air a bit. So mm. hopefully everything's all behind these boys now and we, we can see the performances on the pitch. Yeah, and uh, Elliot, I suppose question is, They've got the third worst home record in the division, Preston. From 14 home games, they've picked up 14 points. Only Wickham and Birmingham have got worse records in the the division at home. Uh, But we don't look great on the road. From 14 games away, we've got 16 points and we've only scored seven, albeit we've only let uh, in nine, which is um, the joint lowest with Swansea. But... What changes, if any, would you make going into this? Because obviously, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, then Friday, and I think we've got another midweek game coming up as well. So would you would you make any, any changes going into that game? I personally wouldn't make any unenforced changes. Of course, mm-hmm. it's like you say, it's it's difficult going into a Tuesday game after after a Saturday game. But I think the fact that maybe we took we took our foot off the pedal in the second half might help. Having someone like Chalabar only play 45 minutes is good as well because it means he'll likely start on Tuesday. Yep. Uh, it's it's difficult with Preston because 
I guess we've, we've done the easy bit by beating them away, which is where they're at their best, and, and we beat them pretty resoundingly. But and and like Ben said, they've they've not had a best the best time at the moment at home. I don't think they've they've won at home all year. So it it should be simple on paper, but we, <laughs> yeah. we all know it's not with Watford playing away from home. And they have got talent in their squad, and they they looked very good on on Friday night against Blackburn yeah. in, in a difficult game, and and Blackburn can cause problems. So. It's, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's definitely not going to be easy. So in terms of changes, I, I'd like to see it maybe stay the same. And I'd just like to see that intensity from, from the first minute as we saw yesterday, yeah. because I think that made the difference just really hitting them from the first minute and causing them problems in midfield. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on with Preston. One of my really, really good mates is a Preston fan. Um, shout out to Ben Blakeman. I know he'll be listening to this one particularly. Um, and, and happy birthday for uh, for last Thursday. Um, he, he's constantly saying there, there's such a mixed bag. You, you don't know which Preston side's going to turn up. I think the the fact that there, I know there's now a bit of a gap between Bournemouth in sixth and Cardiff in seventh. It's a six point gap, but Preston are only a point behind Cardiff. So you know you, you're going to have teams in that region that think we can we can make a go of this. We string a couple of results on. We we are back in for the playoffs. And I think um, he's he's spoken to me before that it, it's only a matter of time before the fans are going to start getting a bit sick and tired of Alex Neil um, if they don't make the playoffs. And I, I think they'll be looking at this thinking right, let's give this a good go. Uh, as you say, their home form, perhaps not the best this season, but they're coming in off the back of a brilliant result for them. And as you say, Blackburn, are, they're no mean feat. You know, tough, tough game. We beat them 3-1 at our place, but um, they they certainly didn't deserve to lose 3-1. Uh, you know, obviously, Armstrong had a penalty save and everything else, but it certainly wasn't a 3-1 scoreline. So we know that press... Uh, Blackburn are no mugs, so for Preston to go to their backyard and beat them um, shows the sort of level that they've got. Yes, they've just lost two of their biggest players, uh, or probably two of the best players they've had in recent years. They've still got the likes of Scott Sinclair, and they've got some big lads at the back. I think I think he said Bowers out, which is uh, lucky for us, but I think Scott Sinclair's their top goal scorer with, uh, with seven. They've recently signed Shed Evans, and uh, Ben, who we spoke to earlier in the week, said that although it's a bit of a uh, controversial Herschel signing, he, he is somebody that, that provides movement, which is what they've needed since back in the Jordan Hugill days. So it's it's definitely uh, definitely one that you know it, it has needed addressing for quite some time. So it's going to be um, it, it, it's not going to be an easy game. I, I think we'd be stupid to go into this thinking it's another easy three points. So I think it's stupid to do that anyway, regardless of if you're coming in off a six 0 win or not. Uh, but they they are going to cause us problems, I think. But it is vital that. And I don't know why he was, but he's void to that Munaf sticks with this formation. He has to. Uh, and like Elliot says, if he has to make some enforced changes, then so be it. But do not be making any changes personally for for anyone because that team that started needs to start on Tuesday night and it's vital that we get a run going. Uh, ben, score prediction? Uh, going for a 2-0 Watford win. Um, I really think we can get at Preston. Um, yeah. I think their home form is not going to help them. I think we're going to go there high on confidence. Yeah, I'm going to go for a, another clean sheet. Um, Bam, 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 Dan Batman's going to add another to his collection. Um, yeah. I, I can't see them really scoring with Trucy, Connor, Surielta at the back either. And oh, special, mention to, <laughs> a special mention to Messini yesterday as well. I thought he was back to his best yesterday. Um, yeah. So our back four looks quite strong at the moment. So yeah, I'm going for a 2-0 Watford win. Who's uh, who's getting the goals? Uh, I'm going to go for Ennis Melsar Brace. Yeah, he's he, he, he looks different, Graver. I know we're basing it off one game one game, but I think that really will do his confidence good. Uh, Elliot, score prediction? Uh, I think I'm with Ben on this one. I think it'll be 2-0. Mm-hmm. I think an important thing to remember is that we're, I think we're unbeaten now in three away games, which is probably the longest away unbeaten run we've had in, <laughs> in years. So, yeah. so yeah, I think 2-0 is, is about right. I think I'd have João Pedro to get a brace instead though, because I think he's he's got a goal coming and I think he'll get, he'll get one and then he'll get a penalty as well, I reckon. Yeah, well, the penalty with no Troy Deeney on the pitch. Who would have thought, eh? Uh, I'm surprised we didn't get a penalty yesterday. After everything that was going on, I thought there's a nailed on a penalty in this game. Uh, but it wasn't to be. Uh, but yeah, no, that's um, that. That's about it. All we got time for this week. It's uh, 
it's it's a pleasure as always to to speak uh, about Watford. You know, it's been really really tough these last few weeks. You know, me and Ben have been doing these podcasts, and although personally the numbers for them have been doing much better recently, um, it's not nice having to speak to, about Watford after the performances that we've been putting in recently. I was even though I didn't watch the game yesterday, I was really looking forward. As soon as that final whistle went, I thought I can't wait till tomorrow now to speak about this game. Uh, so long mate continue really really hope it does uh, massive thank you Elliot for, for joining us today um, really really do appreciate it um, like I says Elliot is from Vibe FM and does a lot of uh, work with WD18 some brilliant work that those guys do over there as well but massive massive thank you for joining us Elliot really do appreciate it thank you for having me yeah I've really enjoyed chatting about such a, a good game it always makes it easier to talk about Watford after a performance like that and yeah, yeah. I've had lots of fun talking about it Good stuff, good stuff. But uh, myself and Ben will be back. Uh, I think we're doing a midweek one, aren't we, Ben? Or is that is, is that still touch and go? Yeah, no, plan is still to yeah. carry on with the midweek ones. It's working well for us at the moment. I think yeah. what, when I'm back working full-time, it might be a bit more of a struggle. But whilst uh-huh. I'm at home more, um, yeah, let's carry on doing the midweeks. Yeah. Everyone wants it, so let's give it to them. So there we go. Exclusive <laughs> midweek podcast will return this week. Um, we, we, I think we plan on a Tuesday, so uh, we'll look to get that out for you on Wednesday morning. Um, and hopefully we'll be speaking to a, a Derby fan as well with the, the upcoming game on Friday night. But yeah, absolute pleasure speaking to you both gents. It's, uh, like I say, really, really good coming off the back of a 6-0 win. Hopefully it continues. But as I say, me and Ben will be back in your ears on Wednesday morning to speak to you about hopefully another resounding win away this time. Um, So yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe, look after your loved ones and uh, come on you ones. Podcast Network.